Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And we are back. Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast. Of course, if you don't already know me, my name is Eric Wright. I'm uh, Disco Posse on Twitter. You can find me in the Green Circle community. Uh, of course, I'm uh, Disco Posse there. I'm Disco Posse everywhere. Now, I'm lucky. Talk about interesting handles. It's always neat when we get folks on the podcast who have, you know, interesting views on community and interesting Twitter handles. I've, I've kind of got the best of both worlds here for the folks that uh, ha- may have known our guest. Uh, you may know her as the hug dispenser, but the reason why I, I want to talk today is in IT, we talk about people, process, and technology. That's the foundations of everything. We tend to focus on the technology part and we forget about people and, and process. So today we're going to talk a lot about people. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jill to the podcast. Jill, if you want to introduce yourself to everyone and then uh, let us know where we can find you online and such. Awesome. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, we go way back, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk to that a little bit later, but it's always fun to get some time with you. Um, so I am Jill Jabinski, as Eric mentioned, and I am a I describe myself as a technical recruiter-ish, um, so my my title now is kind of technical community evangelist. Uh, I have a slightly different view on how to recruit tech talent, and we can get into that further. I've been doing this for a handful of years now, so at multiple different technology companies, and love my job, so love any opportunity that I get to to talk more about uh, my ideals and how how, in my opinion, to do things right and how to do things wrong. And so with that, uh, you can find me online, mostly on Twitter. I'm very active. Uh, and my handle is at JillJubs, J-I-L-L-J-U-B-S. Um, and my, my name on there is Hug Dispenser, and it's actually kind of a funny story. So about two years ago, I was at PyCon. Uh, I was in Montreal, I believe, yeah. uh, in 2014, and was hanging out with a bunch of my devs from Cleveland. Shout out to Cleveland and uh, Mike Perez, who's uh, at Thingy on on Twitter, and uh, we were having a few beers. And I always just have hugged people when I see them, you know, though I haven't seen my friends in a while. And he was just like, "I dare you to change your name on Twitter to Hug Dispenser." <laughs> and so <laughs> here we are, two years later, and most people who come up to me at conferences, they're like. Wait, you're a hug dispenser, right? Oh. So he's he's part of my PR team now. <laughs> nice. And it's yeah. funny you talk about you know, and I've always seen the way that you have a unique approach to things. You know, we've we've known each other for a few years, and and I know a lot of folks in the community. We all have like kind of a shared network, and it's let's talk about how you how what is your approach to you know getting people, you know, into an organization and, and then we'll talk about how you, how you got there, but let's, uh, what, what is, what are the Jill methods, you know, to, to <laughs> deal with 
today's style of of IT recruiting and because it's very interesting I think yeah and and so my view in general for for all things like HR I mean I come from an HR in general kind of background and just found my niche within within recruitment but through all of those different kind of segments of HR it's it's to be people focused um, I know that that sounds like a very simple thing to do, but with as much as you hear kind of negative about HR and, and recruitment, it's something that I think we just forget about a lot. And especially it's important to me within the technology space because all of that circles around uh, computers and, you know, being heads down on the keyboard, forgetting about like the outside world and that, you know, what's important in life. And to me, what's important in life, e either at work or outside, is is the human involved. And so I want to make sure to treat people like humans, not just a number, um, you know, not cogs in some kind of like large machine uh, and make them feel like they're valuable and worthy, um, so that's my that's my general overarching kind of approach to all of these things. And it it's funny, like you said, that it it's fundamental, but yet it's something that we don't see as often as we should. You know, having come through a few different types of organizations, I know sometimes it's challenging because they're maybe the you know recruitment is separated from you know the business area. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's we really need recruitment, you know, human resources, as far as like everything else, you know, compensation and benefits and all that stuff to also then have this amplified feedback loop to the business and the hiring folks that are actually in charge of the teams. We need DevOps for human resources. And that's kind of what you're doing, I think. Yeah. And that's, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually uh, presenting at uh, DevOps days in Chicago at the end of August, and my the title of my presentation is DevOps in Recruitment. Nice. So people should go to DevOps Day Chicago and or watch the the video when it gets published. Um, but yeah, so I I definitely agree, and it, it's interesting or it can be confusing, I guess, how to approach that because part of me and how I, how I've done things has always made myself a part of the team that I'm recruiting for, um, so that you really understand fundamentally like what they're about like obviously I can meet with a hiring manager or an engineer or read on paper what the you know what the nice-to-haves what the must-haves are uh, for a job description but there's so much more to that than a, than a role um, well one is understanding what they're actually doing and seeing what they do on on the day-to-day -day. but then uh, regardless of, of the entire organization, I mean an, an entire company has a culture and you know and it can get diluted a little bit as the larger company uh, as a company grows larger but um, each individual team has a micro culture too and I mean they might not have a website that has its core values on it but everybody has that and so really becoming a part uh, of that team and, and having conversations with individual members of that team is going to be key uh, in understanding the uh, micro culture kind of aspect of who would be a best fit within within that group as well and so there's di there's different teams that do it differently at different companies. I know some companies where the recruiter actually reports up to, like I've, I've had recruiter friends that report up to a director or a VP of engineering because they're engineer recruiters. Right. And But then I can see on the other side of the fence that sometimes it makes sense to have them rolling up into HR. But 
I think the key thing is that we are not two silos. Just like in, you know, in DevOps, the you know, the dev team, the ops team. It's not engineering or insert, you know, group name there and then recruitment on the other side of the fence just throwing things over and seeing it, you know, if they can run with it. We are one and, and having that constant conversation is really crucial. And I think that we look at historically how, you know, HR, like you said, it's it's earned a bad name. Any any group in any organization is, has. Technologists tend to also be the, one of the most challenging, I think, to be able to do recruitment for because they tend to be introverted a lot. You know, not all of them. Again, it's, a, it's like gross generalizations, right? But <laughs> there, there are, you know, say there tend to be more introverted personalities and you know, trying to find good fits between a, a bunch of, you know, folks who are going to be heads down in small teams and they can spend a lot of time together. It, it's, it's very challenging, I would think, you know, to be able to adapt to that culture and understand it and then to take it outside and be able to map those skills. You know, how, how did you find the that move as you sort of embraced, you know, the IT group and, and IT engineers, like, did it, was it something that came naturally to you or did you purposefully study towards it? Did it happen by accident? <laughs> uh, I wish that I could say that all of this was planned. This just all happened by accident. <laughs> um, yeah, I came into Rackspace when I was recruiting there um, and they told me that I was going to be recruiting for Linux admins, and this this will sound like a made-up story, and I lived it, and it's not. When I left Rackspace and was packing up my drawer, I found my notebook from, like, the beginning of my Rackspace time, and I spelled Linux wrong. I spelled a bunch of other things incorrectly. I had, like, that's how little I knew about what was about to happen in my life. Uh, um, yeah, so it, it's more about what I focused on because... Uh, because of that, because I was lacking in the same skill set as engineers had and, and actually understanding of, of what they did, uh, I, I took into note that what engineers tended to look for was all like tangible skills, so all hard skills, and that they tended to forget that regardless of the, the job, there are soft skills involved. Um, so I focused on those, so things that they might be kind of missing out on while I, on the back end, was sitting with teams and understanding, you know, what they did and things like that and, and gaining that technical knowledge. Um, so, you know, I think that, that that's a fundamental thing that goes out the wayside in general where engineers, admins, etc., because they are doing a task that requires... In, in their mind, it requires mostly hard skills um, that they they look over the fact that, you know, we need people who are great communicators because a lot of these uh, conversations are had over the computer and being able to communicate with people in that way is crucially important and not an easy thing to do, actually. Um, and, you know, be able to be adaptable to new situations. Uh, lots of things like that. I mean, I can, I can make a laundry list, but where they are, are tend forgot about and it's like okay well that do they have experience running this size of infrastructure um, you know working with these tools etc etc that's the, the key focus um, you know intentionally or unintentionally the other thing that you've done well in finding good people to fit a role you know both in hard skills then soft skills there's also 
finding people that are going to be able to work without continuous supervision. So that's an interesting mm -hmm. talent, both in being able to re work remotely and being able to spot people that can work remotely. How do you find the the hiring process for remote workers? It, again, was it something that you had to kind of, you, you figured out anecdotally? Uh, was there stuff that you went to where you could find out the right kind of things to look for? Yeah, I think that really happened. Um, I learned as I as I went on um, because that was a tough one for me because I had never when I started hiring remote people I had never worked remote you know and you can imagine what it's like uh, and I have only actually worked worked remote when I was at when I came on to Blue Box I was living in New York City and was working remote with a team in Seattle and I fancy myself a motivated hard worker and I did not like working remote at all um, so it's not just like people think oh if you're if you're motivated then it totally works out um, but it's not kind of always like that I mean it's definitely with people's um, personalities and you know what what drives them as well and a lot of what gives me energy is other people so not having other people around me all the time was definitely like it left me longing for more uh, at the end of the day but I think that it, in general it's just being open and honest when I came into Rackspace and we started hiring some remote people they didn't have a ton of remote employees at the time so it was new for all of us um, so just being very open and honest and about where the teams were at and where they wanted to go and setting people up for success and which means telling them how it's going to be and what the expectations are of them and also from a manager perspective like the hiring manager on my team making sure that they're able to get in contact with you and get in contact with team members especially when you're the first remotee uh, on a team of people who happen to be sitting in you know insert city name yeah. um, to be able to get a hold of people all the time uh, is really key because you're inevitably and, and not intentionally at all going to be left out of conversations one because there's a learning curve for how to move all those conversations onto Slack or whatever tool that you're using, um, but also because you're not, you know, going to lunch in the cafeteria with everybody, and they're not going to be mute the whole time <laughs> if you're not around. So, That's so right. it's making sure, yeah, it's just understanding um, that it's going to be a process. And in because I'm also a remote worker, you know, it was it was interesting at first because I'm used to the over the side of the desk conversations. There's a lot of those things that just that's how you build relationships internally, like with your teammates. You 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 become closer colleagues because you say, oh yeah, you know, what did you do last night? And and you suddenly are detached from that day to day stuff, but it can be moved online, you know, through other yep. means. Uh, the other thing that I find is a good platform for that is video, you know, and mm -hmm. I make a point of doing as many, if not all of my meetings through video, just even if there really doesn't feel like there's a need to, uh, it just, yeah. there's a very big difference when you actually have, you know, actual live reactions to a conversation you're having. And then as soon as the video cuts out because of like bandwidth problems or something, you immediately feel different. You're like, wow, I, you know, you, you suddenly look away, you be, you become mildly detached from this chat because you're like, oh, I was like right in it before. So yep. there, there definitely are tools to help you to do it. But then the other thing, how does the, 
continuous nurturing work for you, you know, as part, because recruitment doesn't end the moment they sign the papers, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's something that a lot of recruiters forget about. And, and when I, when I say things like that, I, I want to continue to say that, like, I am not by any means, like, bashing other recruiters. I, I think that unintentionally the system is set up to fail a lot of us and what I mean by that is that recruiters are measured by how many people they're putting in seats right. and if you're an agency recruiter especially you're getting you know being able to put food on your table by by filling those seats so that you get paid if you're an internal recruiter most of us ha have metrics I mean just like sales where um, we're, we're not commission-based typically if we're internal but you have to hire this many people uh, per quarter or else you know you're not meeting your goals and so there are it's it's a lot of pressure but what's important and what's forgotten about then is is the recruiting kind of long game and I even hate to call it hate to call it that but that's what makes most sense so what I mean by that is I hire X employee and bring them on board I continue to have conversations with them you know just like uh, very low-key like check check up on them um, you know maybe in a couple of months grab coffee just you know keep that conversation flowing uh, and then what recruiters forget about is that when that person has a friend that they want to hire or something or who's looking they're gonna immediately come back to me right. because we've we've built that bond uh, and they we trust each other and so they know that they'll get treated well uh, in my hands and so it actually is really helpful to a recruiter and I mean your your relationships with people shouldn't be hundred percent like goal-driven because of that but it that is one way to kind of think about um, you know the way you should handle your handle your stuff um, is because it will kind of help in the end I mean at this point I've been growing relationships with with people for six or seven years and the it's astounding the amount of at least once a day I get someone to send me a send me a candidate and this is either someone that I've worked with before someone I've never worked with who knows my name uh, etc etc and I mean they're not always a fit for my company but I try to you know network them the best that I can to others but to be six years into uh, a role and basically I I have candidates being sourced for me yeah. is pretty pretty awesome um, but yeah, but also on the flip side of things, uh, recruitment is a part of, of growing an organization and so they have that piece within the external community and then it's really key to remember that inside an organiza organization there's an internal community too uh, and you need to grow and, and foster that so just as if you were moving to, I, I equate like starting a new job with like moving to a new town and sometimes it involves moving and sometimes it you know physically moving sometimes it doesn't but you don't know people you're new you feel kind of shy and and awkward and you know you're don't have a lot of friends there if any um, so you've already had a one relationship built which should be with a recruiter so it's your as a recruiter to help that person continue to feel comfortable um, and be able to, to grow those bonds so I think that that's something that not a lot of recruiters take on that I think is really important too. like you got them there but then help them feel comfortable and help them feel you know continue to be excited about being uh, in the organization as they're growing those you know other relationships besides the one they have with you 
And you nailed the the word that was, you know, like perfect segue, community. <laughs> That's both inside and outside as a personal community, as a as a IT community in general. So Python developers is a community. Rackspace employees, IBM employees are are a community. You know, teams within, you know, large companies are their own little micro communities. And you can really see the same features that we find in large communities where, you know, there's relationships are built and they carry on beyond the task, beyond the day, you know, beyond office hours. And it, it's yeah. really neat to see that that's got to be recognized by organizations as they look to recruit. They need to make sure that they engage their internal recruitment team to say, hey, look, we're not, like you said, we've got quotas, we've got all these things we've got to do, but we're, we're all here for the long haul or as long as we can be. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, I like that coaching from the, you know, hiree side or whatever we call them. What do we call somebody, somebody who is hired uh, yeah. and, and then coaching from the organization. Now, how much do you get to feedback upwards into the organization saying, hey, I think we may, be, we may need to steer the ship a bit with how we're doing things. Do you find yourself guiding the hiring process and looking at other team dynamic things as, that are on the floor in a, in a company and saying like, hey, this is really working. Maybe you should think about growing this area or you know, how much do you get a chance to feedback up into the management teams? Yeah. And, and I get to a, a fair amount uh, at this point, I wasn't always able to, obviously as you're growing your career, there's going to be different levels of the, you know, uh, ability that you have. Uh, but I think that that's really important for recruiters, especially, you know, more senior level recruiters uh, is I, I fancy myself a strategic partner with the business and so I'm not an, an order taker by any means and, and what I mean by that is because I will ingrain myself in your team and you know get to know them and you and what you guys are working on and project goals that you're hitting and things like that, we can for, work together to see three months, six months into the future and where we're going to need people uh, and what what helps a recruiter then is so if they're involved in those conversations and you just kind of hear people talking about like oh we might need an ad here or there later when I'm out or looking for people wherever that is in person online whatnot I might come across someone who would be the perfect fit for this role and be able to you know casually start a conversation and kind of slow roll a recruitment effort as opposed to the flip side, if I'm just taking orders and I'm waiting and I don't know anything about your team, I'm not even getting alerted about that job until, you know, four months down the line. And I've, you know, I passed that person so long ago, I wasn't even thinking about it. So they don't come up to, to mind. So having that continuous recruiting process uh, and network building process is is critically important and it really helps um, you know the both sides of the fence as well it really helps the team too uh, and I find that as you're building trust with teams a lot of hiring managers are very receptive to it as well like at the end of the day recruiters are hired because they are subject matter experts in the space and you need to assert yourself and and become that um, and so, you know, I, they like that because at the end of the day, it gets, uh, gets more work taken off their plate and, and that you get to do and you feel more capable and active and happy within that team. So 
it's a it's a huge win for all. And then I'll it's always a fun one to try and approach or fun being difficult. <laughs> you know, the challenges yeah. of uh, a hire that doesn't work. It happens for a variety of reasons. It's, you know, whether it's team dynamic doesn't work, personal situations that change, you know, internal strife, you know, that can happen and just, you know, skill set that isn't able to ramp up or, you know, yep. there's other things. How does it feel and, and what do you do to try and, you know, as you see a situation building where you're like, I, you know, we don't know that, you know, that the new staffer is really working quite well with the team. What are the things that we can do to say, hey, look, don't don't bail out yet. Do, <laughs> yeah. do some things. What what are what are the kind of first steps you want to guide both the 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 employee, you know, and as well the the management folks on, hey, here's some stuff we need to do to make sure we're we're not gonna about to make a bad decision. Yep, and I think that this um, kind of circles back to why it's important to continue to have uh, build a relationship with the new hire and with the manager because you can have those open conversations. Typically, when I've had this before, uh, a lot of times, especially if it's early on, um, a lot of times the new hire, because we have the strongest relationship, will come to me and ask me about it. Like if it's from their end and they're feeling, you know, like they're not able to to meet expectations or you know not getting along with someone on the team or you know any of those things um, I and I don't know if it's because I'm in HR too that I have that employee like engage uh, employee relations kind of background that they feel comfortable um, talking to me just asking for for advice and same from the manager um, you know because I they I know the candidate the best they they will come to me too so that's it's key to have have built those relationships but I think it's it's crucial to not make uh, rash decisions um, from anyone's anyone's side so if there's opportunity for us to be able to do any kind of like training and development or you know if there's a fit on a different team I mean I think at the end of the day we need to consider overarchingly that a new hire or a new ad uh, is not a candidate just for a specific team that there is you know a larger organization uh, that they may be a fit into too and and consider those options as well and you know at the end of the day sometimes it just doesn't work out and and people leave and that's life um, it's it's important that we try to not burn bridges from any side of the equation obviously from the employee side because you're interacting with people that you may interact with later uh, and from the, the company side um, you don't want someone going out into the world and and not feeling you know as positive as they can about your company because they they have you know a mouth to talk to others or fingers to type on the keyboard to uh, talk about your company so I think it's just to keep it as uh, as friendly as we can um, but definitely no no rash decisions in that and and to Sorry, sorry. I feel like I go on a lot in these answers. I talk oh, a lot. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, also from a recruiter perspective, if you if you've built those bonds, typically an HR organization will have a a formal like exit interview. And what I try to do is have an offline exit interview. And obviously, I don't call them that with with my candidates if I have if I can. And you know whether that's um, you know, going out and grabbing coffee, or I've done I've done one over 
over video chat before where it was later in the day so we just had a beer over hangout <laughs> and talked about things just to you know not to gossip or get dirt or anything but just to get a better understanding because at the end of the day all of our goals is to make the company a great place to be uh, and I can't help make improvements if I don't know what's wrong so it, it's you know it's helpful to have that continuous feedback loop however you can get it and being a, an, an, a, an intermediary to you know you're, you want to satisfy both sides that's a lot of what that of what your role is is because yeah. they may not be able to speak to their you know their manager or whoever they report yep. into and the manager may not be comfortable because they may not understand so the good thing is that you can be that ethical safe boundary you know we're in the trust tree you can talk about anything here <laughs> and like and because they want to people have to understand that as an hr person you know you have a responsibility to ethics to protect mm -hmm. both sides of the relationship and so it's not like you're gonna go oh i heard that they don't like you know pete the linux dev you know like no that's not what's going to go back into the management team it's like People need to understand if they're having difficulty in their office, speak to the recruiters, speak to the people yeah. in HR and say, hey, look, I need help to kind of make my situation better. And here's why. And so it's it's important that people, again, you know, consume the fact that you're there and that recruitment is there continuously. It's not a, you know, one and done and let me know how it goes. You know, we'll see you on the way out. <laughs> that, that's not yeah. how it is. Yeah, exactly. And I know that um, it can be intimidating to, I mean, I've been in exit interviews before when I left companies and I, I'm in HR and I still find them intimidating and I don't think that companies do that purposefully, but it's like you're talking to someone who is taking exact notes that are going on your file and so you don't want to say anything bad or, you know, in, in my cases, sometimes I've gone to companies that are competitors, so People in HR are like not that happy with me and it doesn't always create an environment where you want to share you just kind of want to get out of there yeah um, so so to have that that buffer you know off the record thing is is very helpful and again just because it's one of those things where if someone says like oh this manager was maybe like not my favorite because of these reasons I just put that in a bank in the back of my head and if I hear it again from other people then it's like it starts becoming a pattern and then maybe we need to do something about it but it's it's more of like that rather than like I I would never like directly give give what was said to anyone but but myself and the one thing I want to cover as well before we finish up is startups. You know, you've worked at a few different sizes of organizations and you know a lot of people in the community who work at, you know, at small startups, large companies, and you see the, the spectrum of styles of work. How do you recruit for a startup where you kind of know right out of the gate, you're, you're asking them to do something that if you were to ask them to do that at a large company, they would probably file a human resources, like a, a <laughs> human rights violation. Like, we want you to work bizarre hours, be yeah. committed to the company, you know, be totally available. Like, hey, you're not on call like you used to be an operations team, but guess what? You know, you, you, you do tend to work in a very different style and it's much more intimate, I say, with mm -hmm. startups because 
we are a small family and, and I've gone through that and watched the the growth in the organization that I'm in going from 200 to now almost 500 people. So we now, oh, wow. I would now work for like a legit large company in, in my mind. And I've yeah. from lots of different places before. So how do you, how do you, you know, tell somebody what they're, what they're in for, you know, knowing that it's kind of tricky, right? You know, working for a startup is a different style. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And um, yeah, I've worked at, I, I worked at DigitalOcean before, so I know that, that startup life. And then I worked at Blue Box when it was getting acquired by IBM. So a small company going to like the biggest company ever. Um, so it, it's kind of run the gamut. But I think that what's key is for any company that you're recruiting for is to be honest. Uh, with candidates and to set proper expectations. And this is a, a good example of this is DigitalOcean versus IBM. So both companies are great companies. Both companies are, have pros and cons, as every company does. Um, and they probably, or not probably, they do attract different types of talent. So what I would say is from a DigitalOcean or startup perspective is that, yeah, you're going to be working sometimes some crazy hours. Um, a lot of times, especially early on in startups, you're kind of fighting to keep the lights open or keep the lights on and the doors open. So there's that that kind of panic which gets people working all the time yeah. um, and those types of things. And then there's perks um, that come with working at a startup. And so that would excite some people and then on the flip side there's a large company or enterprise type company of mine IBM now but many others where um, the some of the sell is hey it's more of a nine to five ish job there's a lot more work-life balance um, and you might but on the on the con side I guess maybe not you know working in the most cutting edge of tech sometimes because it is an enterprise um, and you know so that it's there's again positives and negatives to both um, both I've worked with amazing incredibly talented people at both companies um, but just finding like what really drives uh, an individual and, and what they want and so I find honesty to be a hundred percent the the best policy in recruiting whether that's about setting expectations for the role, setting expectations for compensation, all those types of things. I think that that's the key factor there. Not the, the bait and switch is the, you know, just the most horrible thing you can do to someone in, in recruitment, I would think, or I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, it, there's a, there's a challenge in the industry in general where we've got, you know, folks that kind of jump in, especially in extremely small companies. And then you hear, you know, stories of like, well, I was, it was kind of an unfair work environment. And, you know, people tend to go up and they use Glassdoor like a Yelp where they got a bad creme brulee. And so they write like zero stars and they just ravage on Glassdoor because it's anonymous. And, and then, yep. it, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> that's tough, right? How do you, yeah, how do you, you know, go back and kind of try and fix that? That's, I think, a real challenge where we want to make sure that we keep that feedback loop in, out, you know, and continuously through the community. Because the other thing that's funny is we all are going to work for each other, you know, at some points, especially in, yep. in the technology community. So I always tell people, you know, be careful <laughs> about what you say, especially in a public persona. And, you know, and maybe I'm going gotta to ask you that one. It's a very interesting one because I know there's like legalities around some of that stuff. When people have mm -hmm. an extremely public 
persona, you know, Twitter and, you know, whatever. And, and, and we, we say goofy things on Twitter and, you know, like how much of that comes back in when you're looking at a, at a candidate for, for a role and how much can, because I know there used to be some really interesting boundaries around how much you could kind of find out from them and, you know, bring into the, the knowledge of an interview process. Yeah, and so it, it is, it's an interesting time to be hiring because, like you said, there's so much out there. Um, what I would say, and I, you know, I have to tell myself this sometimes, uh, is, of course, that anything you put out there, you cannot get back. I know there's some places that have anonymity, um, you know, Glassdoor or whatnot, but even Glassdoor, I've been at companies where someone just, like, ravaged the company and we all knew exactly who wrote it even though it said it was anonymous so yeah, we had one person in cincinnati who left the company and, and this says ohio <laughs> resident and i think we can narrow down it was jack <laughs> exactly um but i mean the the main thing to to remember is, is comes back to what you said that we're all going to work for each other at some point um you can't take it back and you may need uh, these people that you're burning bridges with again at some point, and actually you probably will. Um, so, so that's the most critical critical piece in my mind is that you know unless unless it's going to do someone good, of which I mean some weird stuff happens sometimes, but uh, I would just do your very best not to put anything negative out there because it's really just not gonna not gonna help you in the long run. Even if you were in the right, that's the that's the you know bad part. That's right. Yeah, as I say, as I like to quote the uh, you know the the wise folks from The Wire, <laughs> in, in the wise words of Marlo Stanfield, my name is my name, <laughs> and, and that is you know we we carry our relationships continuously, and and we all hope you know we are a community. We are going to catch each other. We're here to mm -hmm. do that. And, and it's great to see, you know, what it looks like from the recruitment side and inside that part of the organization. It's, it's been really great. I'm going to ask you one more quick question. I, okay. like to, I like to pick on people. Not, we're not, sorry, it's not pick on, but I like to ask the question, what's the book that's on your bookshelf that is for you, it's, it's a must read for, you know, and it can be for fun, it can be for work, it can be whatever. What are the ones that you always tell people, hey, I... I, re I read this book and I reread it. You know, you definitely have to get this one. That's that's a really good question, actually. Uh, I should have read more to prepare for this. <laughs> um, no, okay, so there is, uh, there's a couple uh, that I really like, and, and neither are work-related, actually. I just think they're good, like, life, uh, life lessons. Those are the so best. So one... Yeah, one is called uh, A Year of Yes, and it's written by, and I'm going to forget her name, uh, oh, Shonda, and I forget her last name, but she, like, writes all of the um, the TV shows, like oh, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish I don't watch any of the shows she she writes, actually. I just happened across this book over Christmas time, um, but it was, it's really just inspiring and motivational to, like, how to how to open yourself up to things that scare you. Um, and so that was a really cool book. And then uh, another one, which I have to kind of like bleep part of it, but it's called F Word Feelings. And <laughs> it's, it's a book that I picked up recently from Powell's when I was in, 
in Portland for Monitorama actually, and it's I really like I'm I have a psych background, so also I'm kind of crazy, so I like reading about um, psychology, and so it's it's just a book of advice from a different perspective written by uh, two psychiatrists actually, um, so people who have definitely like been in the trenches uh, about all sorts of different types of of feelings and. Uh, that people are having and and how to cope and that type of thing, um, but just a really great perspective on uh, a self help book. So it's it's very cool and very funny. Nice, yeah, yeah. As a uh, my my background when I chose to educate myself was uh, behavioral psychology. So I always tell people, say, oh, what's, nice. what's the what's the the book that taught you the most? I'm like DSM four. <laughs> I I learned I learned the most about technology through behavioral psychology because that's really what technology is and and yeah. everything that we do is. So this is it's it's a good reminder that those are. Those are good books to sprinkle in, you know, when we're not reading, you know, C sharp the hard way, then <laughs> good to bust out a Deepak Chopra or something, you know, and, and yep. kind of mix it up a bit. Well, Jill, it's been really, really great chatting. I uh, I hope we can find an opportunity to bring you back on and we can talk about some more stuff. And we need to see your continued evolution in the business. You know, I've been excited by watching your growth and, and watching how you've brought this new style and and uh, what I think needs to become viral in in other organizations. So hopefully we can see more and more of it. And of course, you mentioned you've got something coming up. So DevOps Days, what's the what are the dates for that? So I am speaking at two DevOps Days at the end of August. Um, DevOps Days Chicago, which I believe is August 25th and 26th, and then DevOps Days Boston, which is the 30th and 31st. Um, so, or I think I have those flipped. Boston is 25th, 26th. Chicago is 30th, 31st. I know because I'm going to a Cubs game with my friends. That's what reminded me. Um, but yeah, so lots of exciting stuff happening. And, and it, I super uh, appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. And it's been lovely. I think we, gosh, we met maybe like three or four years ago at this point. So it's been, it's been cool to uh, have that long-term relationship with you as well. And uh, for folks that didn't already get a chance to see somebody step into a new way of a new thing, you know, uh, I, I, I will put links into your Monodorama talk as well, because that was very, very cool to see. You did a great oh, job. Oh, thank there. you. And uh, yeah, it's you know great subject matter and, and just a really fun presentation. So thanks again, Jill. And uh, for folks that uh, want to find out more, we, of course, like I said, we'll connect you up with Jill and, uh, and her team at uh, Blue Box at IBM. You guys have a great, great group. I'm, real, I'm a big fan of, of Jesse and the team. Everybody's just doing a great job and a really good community. Uh, I've been lucky. I spoke with Craig Tracy before. We've had him on the podcast and, and we've done some oh, stuff. So. So, uh, and of course, Tyler, everybody, everybody is, you know, you're, you're all a great team. So it's been a pleasure to be amongst it all. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I agree. They're fantastic. Excellent. And of course, for folks that want to find out more about our fine little podcast here, you can go to gcondemand.io and uh, hopefully we'll catch you all at a, an event in the near future. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.